of Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin." In this passage, he deals with the aspect of the law and that the law is given for a specific purpose and that no one is able to keep the law. And he touches on something that that really is at the heart of what is going on, I was going to say, in our nation, but so much more than that, what has gone on throughout human history And yet, we live in our land today, and we see things happening that are just literally mind-boggling, that that we sit back and we say, how how can people even think like this? How can they they come to these conclusions? And I think um, there is an underlining answer to all of these things that, Maybe sometimes we overlook, and, and hopefully today we want to we want to try to pull, um, connect some of the dots, if you please. Dennis Prager, who is a columnist and a talk show host and um, Jew by belief, um, wrote an article: Why the left loathes, meaning hates. Western civilization, and I want I want to to read um, a good portion of this to you just to begin today. This month, this is a current. This month, which would have been April, Stanford University students voted on on a campus resolution that would have required their college to teach a course on Western civilization as it did up until the 1980s. The Stanford students rejected the proposal, nearly 2,000 votes to 350. And the columnist of the Stanford Daily Newspaper explained, teaching Western civilization means upholding white supremacy, capitalism, colonialism, and all other oppressive systems that flow from Western civilizations. So, they are not teaching 
haven't taught since 1980 Western civilization. We live in the West. We used to be civilized, so you'd think that'd be a, a, a proper course of study. He goes on, wherever there is conflict between the West, which is identified as white capitalist or of European roots, and the non-West, which the left portrays the West as the villain. So wherever there's a conflict between West and non-West, the left portrays the West as being the oppressor and, and so on. It dismisses all Western achievements, but regards criticism of anything non-Western as racist, chauvinistic, imperialist, colonialist, and xenophobic, which means you're afraid of anything that is foreign, okay? This is why the left is so protective of Islam. It is not that the left is sympathetic to Islam, for it has a contempt for all religions. It is that many Muslims hate the West just as much as the left does, and they have a common enemy in the West, and so they protect it. That is why the left loathes Israel. If the left actually cared about human rights, women's rights, gay rights, or freedom of speech, religion, and press, they would be wildly pro-Israel. But Israel, in the left's view, is white, European, and colonialist, or in other words, they're Western, and the Palestinians are non-Westerns. So the big question is, why is the left hostile toward Western civilization? Prager writes, after decades of considering this question, I have concluded the an- that the answer is standards. The left hates standards. Moral standards, artistic standards, and cult- cultural standards. The West was built on all three, and it has excelled in all three. Why does the left hate standards? It hates standards because when there are standards, there is judgment. And the leftists don't want to be judged. The whole left-wing moral vocabulary is a rejection of Western moral standards. Tolerance, inclusion, anti-discrimination, by definition, standards discriminate. So anti-discrimination means literally anti-standards, non-judgmental, and even income inequality discriminate and establish standards which deem some people's work is more valuable than others. When we come to the left's loathing of the religions of Western civilization, the Judeo-Christian religions, we have clear standards in Judeo-Christian teaching, clear standards of right and wrong. Bible-based religions affirm a morally judging God. To the left, 
That is anathema. That is accursed. For the left, the only judging allowed is leftist judging others. No one judges the left, neither man nor God. That's Dennis Prager's conclusions. You say, where are you going with this, Pastor? It all comes back to standards. And it all comes back to the standards that God has established. And in the grand scope of things, and there were many, many things, and I I don't have time to go into all the things that are mentioned here, but all these things that are happening in our world today that are, are like fires that are popping up everywhere, and we're running around trying to put out the fires, the ultimate is that there is spiritual warfare, and God has established the standard, and Satan is totally opposed to the standards of God. It's much more than an issue of of uh, transgender or or identity in marriage and the roles of marriage or Islam or Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity. It's it's much more than that. It comes down to what Romans chapter 3 said right here, where God established the standard and he said, this is righteousness and there is none righteous, no, not one. They've all turned away. They're, they are openly in rebellion against God. And, and you notice what he said in verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Every person in this world has guilt. And this is the fundamental foundation of the gospel. It is the fundamental foundation, as we hope to see today, of, um, of so many of the problems that mankind has. Guilt is a universal experience. Everybody at some time or other has had that horrible feeling of not doing what they ought to have done. When I was probably, I mean, we get it often, but some stand out in our mind. When I was probably third grade or something, every church basement has at least one old, old piano. And I and a buddy of mine found if you pried under the keys of the piano, you could pop those ivories off. And we had a contest who could pop them off the highest, and we didn't think anything about it. And I remember sitting at a table and my dad saying, you know what, some kid went in the basement and popped all the ivories off that piano. I'm sitting there. Man, mum was the word. I'm just... I didn't shake my head. I didn't nod my head. I was busy eating, you know. And I thought, oh, man, guess we shouldn't have done that. And it wasn't a, I mean, it isn't a life-changing thing. 
But the guilt was there. I knew that that was not pleasing, you know. I, if, I, if I'd been fast-forwarded, I would have said I'm an animal rights trying to protect the ivories and return it to their natural habitat or something like that, you know what I mean? But we didn't know any of that stuff back then, all right? But um, that guilt started eating away at me. And just so you don't ask me after the service, what happened? The Board of Education was applied to the seat of learning, okay? And um, and I've, I've never popped ivories off. I've walked by that piano and been tempted, but no, I'm... But guilt is a universal thing, even, even in, in the most remote areas of the world that haven't been exposed to what we know as the gospel, there is the awareness of right and wrong. And those that set out to prove that there is no such thing as right and wrong and that all ethics are relative and arbitrary, they wind up saying it is right for you to agree with them and it is wrong for you to disagree with them. So even there, they are establishing some sort of standard. But the bottom line is, no one has ever successfully erased the sense of right and wrong, which God writes on the heart of every human soul. Our moral responsibilities may be perverted, so that they are very opposite of God's, but everyone senses that there are certain things that are right and others that are not. And that guilt comes as a result of the law, the law of God. The deeds of the law, verse 24, Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, For by the law comes the knowledge of sin. By the standard, God has established a standard. And it is by this standard, this is the standard, we we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because we fall short of God's standard, we have guilt. Romans chapter 2 and verse 15 It mentions that the law is written in our hearts and our conscience bear witness of that. Every person is directly accountable to God and God deals with us as individuals and we will have to give account to him of our life someday and... It should be a frightening thought if we are trying to deal with our guilt in some of the ways that we're going to mention that mankind seeks to deal with guilt. So mankind has said, ah, let's let's do away with the standard, then we won't have any guilt. Do away with God. Then 
We can establish our own standard, and we won't have this guilt. So mankind seeks to remove guilt in, in many ways. Um, people who deny that there are no such thing as right and wrong still have to deal with the law of God written on their hearts. And they set out to prove that there is no right and wrong and that all ethics are relative, that whatever you say is true for you, that's good for you. But no one has ever successfully erased the sense of guilt apart from God. We try many, many different ways. The story is told, a man entered a restaurant and the waitress came up and gave him his glass of water and a menu and said, I'll be back in a little bit and take your order. And a little bit later, she came back and stood at the end of the table and he grabbed his water and just threw it right in her face. And she's taken back and he jumps up and he grabs the napkin. I'm, I'm so sorry about that. Um, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I have this compulsion to do this. I fight it, but I don't know what to do about it. And, and she's madder than a wet hen, as you can imagine. And she said, well, you better figure out what to do about it. And if you ever come in here again, I am not going to serve you. And neither is anyone else going to serve you. And he said, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. And I understand. Months later, the man returned, and he immediately met the same lady at the door. And the man explained that he'd been to see a psychiatrist and that his problem was now solved and she could serve him. And a little leery, but anyway, he convinced her that it was now okay to serve him. And so he sat at a table, she brought the glass of water, <clears throat> came back a little bit bit later, and same thing. He grabbed the cup and just threw it in her face, the water all over, and she said, I thought you were cured. He said, I am. I still do it, but I don't feel guilty about it anymore. Now, that's a world's way of dealing with guilt. We live in denial about things. We, the world deals with guilt in intellectual ways, in physical ways, and in religious ways. Intellectually, well, yeah, you, you didn't meet the standards, so lower your standards. Let's change the standards. You, you can't expect to be morally pure or whatever. Lower the standards. Or we say intellectually, moral standards as given by the Bible, those are, those are outdated and restrictive. We've come a long ways and we've developed and, and grown. And intellectually, now we teach what once was a vice is now a virtue. I mean, it, it used to be that greed was a vice. Now it's a virtue. We used to teach that 
Um, self-exaltation was a vice. Now it's a selfie. We used to teach things were wrong, but we now know better. And to try to deal with the guilt, we change the standard intellectually. We try to deal with the guilt in physical ways. Alcohol tries to numb. Drugs try to numb. Some turn to food. Some turn turn to incessant talking. Some turn to sports and hobbies and other diversions that that try to bury the guilt. I don't want to think about it. I I can't I can't allow there to be any peace and quiet in my life because then my guilt will rise to the top. Some, it's religious ways. We try to placate or appease God with good works and religious rituals. Religious people know that they owe God something, a great debt because of their disobedience. I've fallen short of your standard, God, and and let me try to let me try to make that up. And they try the terrible mistake of thinking they can pay back through good works and performance of religious duties the debt of sin, which cannot be paid back. And really, all religions of the world, apart from Christianity, fall under that. Do, do, do. Do this, do this, do this, do this to try to please God, to try to placate Him, to try to make your good way more than your evil. Christianity is that Jesus Christ did it all. It's done. It's not we do. Jesus Christ paid it all. All to Him I owe. And and then because we've Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free. God, because of what you've done for me, I want to serve you. It's not, oh, I have to do this or that. But the contemporary world seeks to solve the problem of guilt intellectually, changing the standard physically burying it one way or another through various forms or religiously. But understand that the law of God was given as our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It it was the law of God and, and the schoolmaster in these days, they would have an individual... A wealthy person would have an individual that would take their child and take them to the school to learn. They were the schoolmaster. They took them to the school to learn. The law of God brings guilt. That guilt is our schoolmaster to bring us to say, wow, no matter all the good I do, it's not going to be good enough. No matter how I change the standard, I still have guilt. We see that today in, in, in our society. We make things legal, but it doesn't make it right. And people still have consequences for violating God's law. And we think, how can this be? 
And this confusion goes on. But when we come to realize, even when I change the standard, even when I try to bury my guilt, even when I try to do good, the guilt is still there. And that guilt, God said here, that all the world would stand guilty before God, that guilt is to bring us to say, God, help me. I need your forgiveness. And that is where we understand Christ alone liberates from guilt. No works that we can do can set us free from the guilt of sin. This is the gospel. And do you understand, this is the message that God's put us here to carry in a world that despises standards and seeks to undermine every standard. We, are not, we hate Western civilization. Why? Because Western civilization had standards for art. It had standards for music. It had standards for morals. It had standards. And we don't like being told that we don't meet the standards. But apart from Western civilization, God has standards. And it is written on the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl. And when we violate God's standards, there is a weight of guilt that comes on our soul that nothing can remove. Do do you see all these things together? There's so much here. The problem is, is not, I'm an alcoholic, I'll always be an alcoholic. No, the problem is, I am looking to alcohol to deal with my guilt. I'm looking to pornography to give me joy and uh, to... um, distract me from my guilt. I'm, I am out here. I'm a workaholic. I'm working to make money, make money, make money. Why? Because I have no peace in my soul. I've never dealt with the guilt of my sin. And only Christ can deal with the guilt of our sin. Look at Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The guilt, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. That guilt, we never, we never have rest. I mean, we could list individual after individual that has fame and money and, and everything the world dreams of, and they're dying of overdoses, they're living immoral lives, they're lost souls. Why? Because the guilt of sin is crushing them. And it is only the gospel. It is only Jesus Christ that liberates. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. 
go back and read the book of Romans and, and you will find this reiterated over and over again. Notice verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. I am guilty before God. I am condemned by my guilt. I have fallen short of the standard of God. But now, in Christ, there is no condemnation. Praise the Lord. Because Jesus covers it all. Notice, he goes on, For the law, verse 2 of Romans 8, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Notice verse 3, For what the law could not do, In that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. What the law could not do, the law can never save us. The law shows us our sin. The law brings guilt, and rightfully so. And we live in a world today that remove that law, remove any standard. No one tell me I'm wrong. That's guilt. And the major issue that mankind deals with, in you can take all these religions, you can take all these vices, you can take every. The major thing mankind deals with is what do I do with the guilt of my sin? They may not say it like that. They may say, I have no peace. They may not even admit it, but they have a weight of guilt that is upon them that God alone liberates and gloriously liberates. What the law could not do, Jesus Christ did. The glory of the gospel is that the one before whom we are guilty, God, and we are condemned under his just standard, has undertaken to replace our guilt and replace his indignation with our sin with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Do you understand the only hope for this world is Jesus Christ? God did not leave us here to deal with guilt alone. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. And even as believers, even after we've come to trust Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sin, we still fall short. And the Spirit of God convicts us and we bear guilt. And that's why he said in Proverbs 28:13, "He that covers his sin will not prosper. But whoever confesses, that means to see it the way God sees it, whoever confesses his sins shall have mercy." And so, even after we trust Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, We fail to live up to the standard, and God's Spirit convicts us, and we say, God, you promised if I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. 
And there are many, many Christians today who have, because of pride, because of denial, because of rebellion, because of changing the standards, have tried to live their life, but it's full of guilt. They may be a child of God, but they're full of guilt because they're not willing to humble themselves and say, God, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And in Christianity, we've, we've gone around with this big eraser and we've erased. Well, God doesn't, God doesn't really think that way anymore. It's okay to do this and that. I, I stand in amazement what's going on in Christianity today. I mean, if you brought, if you brought back from 50 years ago preachers from what are now considered liberal churches, if you brought back a preacher from 50 years ago, and put them in our church today, we'd probably go, whoa. Because we like to change God's standard because we don't like the guilt. Well, you know what? This is the standard that you and I are going to answer to someday. Well, I don't, there's some things I don't like in there. He's God, He's the Creator, He's the Lawgiver. And he is the judge. God is the standard. And we all violate it. And we must personally decide what we are going to do with our guilt. We have to personally decide what we're doing with our guilt for eternity by either trusting Jesus Christ or not. And daily, we have to personally decide what we're going to do with our guilt. Am I going to hide this and act like everything's all right? And we go around and we start building up this guilt. Do you, do you ever wonder, do you ever sit back and ask, you know, we've got all these mega churches, we've got all these Christians, we've got everything, and our nation's in worse shape than it's ever been before. Something's not right. Why? Because we're changing God's standard to draw a crowd God help us. If we ever decide to modify the scriptures because attendance is dwindling, we're not going to answer to God for attendance. We're going to answer to God for speaking the truth and living the truth. And understand that we as Christians have carried around this guilt because we don't want to deal with, with sin. God said the time has come that judgment must begin, not in Washington, not in Des Moines, not in the leftist. The time has come that judgment must begin in the house of God. And until we turn from our sin and our guilt to God, we will continue the downward spiral that leads to destruction personally, family, church, and nation. And all these things that we battle come back to trying to deal with our guilt. Why do they despise Western civilization? Because it established some standards. And we don't want standards. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm good. The day is going to come when someday every one of us will stand before God and his standards. And you personally must decide what you're going to do with the guilt. 
If your religion doesn't teach you the difference between good and evil, your religion is worse than useless. And if your religion, if your faith does not provide a solution to the guilt, it is useless. Only Jesus Christ can remove the guilt of sin. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would help us to see the root issue of your holiness and standard and the root issue of our sin and the glorious message of the gospel that removes the guilt that there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. I pray for individuals here today that have never personally called upon you and trusted you and your payment for sin for their sin. Lord, I pray even right now in the quietness of their heart that they would call unto you for salvation. Lord, I pray for believers here that they've sensed the pang of guilt as they disobey the promptings of your spirit, but then deny it and say, well, it's not so bad, or compare it with others, but we haven't dealt with our own sin. Lord, I pray today that we would see your mercy And we would come before you and know the forgiveness and restoration to full fellowship with you. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed and you're here today.